Hey Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Uh, this is Matt Pinson here with me, David, David Sessions. Sessions, the one and only. And we are talking to Highland's newest staff member, Highland student minister, Reed Hillen. Is it Hillen singular? Hillen. It's not Hillens? Nope, not Hillens. Okay, good. Reed Hillen, just yep. like I said. Uh, Reed is our new Highland student minister. Uh, along with Ashley Sturman. Co-ministers. Co-ministers. Together they will be guiding and shaping the youth of Highland. Oh, yeah. Woo. Right? Yes. Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, At the very least, encouraging them. Reed, tell us where you're you're coming from. What did you do last? Most recently coming from Florida, um, but I've considered Nashville, Tennessee my home. Um, I lived there for the first 30 years of my life. So, yeah. David hates Nashville. He talks about Nashville. how much he hates it all the time. I know, time. yeah. He just is like super down on Nashville. Anyway, Reed, let's get serious. What were you doing in Orlando? We were at Mount Dora Christian Academy in Mount Dora, Florida, 45 minutes from Orlando, um, and worked at a small Christian school there that is actually also a children's home. So a lot of really neat um, work is done there. Uh, they have a single parent program as well that the school runs and um, just do a lot of really uh, neat, unique stuff that um, is really the mission of the school and has been since it started six years ago. Give us an example of some of the kind of neat things that they're doing. Um, So the reality, one of the things that's really neat is every student that comes to the school doesn't know who all might be in the home or in the single parent program, Mm. Uh, but those programs run and those students get come to the school, um, at no cost to the families. Wow. Uh, and so um, opportunity there for a safe environment for the family and for uh, the student uh, to come and learn. And um, uh, depending on on, on how they uh, arrived on to our campus. So, so yeah, it was a, a really neat thing, really formative for me. Um, and uh, I, my most recent job was, I was actually the assistant principal, which was a shocking thing to me that that happened. Um, but it was uh, very challenging and rewarding at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. And you were also coaching? Coaching girls basketball yeah. and the Bible department chair. Okay. Wearing a lot of hats as... Plenty a, of hats. Administrators at small Christian schools. Are, <laughs> yes, that's yes, right. Like that's a, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you're pretty passionate about coaching. What mm-hmm. what's, what's so great about that for you? I think, I think what I have realized in the last few years is that the thing I'm so passionate about with coaching is the relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And also watching, you get to see tangible growth, Hmm. right? So like you come together in November with a new team every year and might have a lot of the same players maybe returning or whatever, but the reality is they're still adding new people and it's a new year and a new team. And you start in November and hopefully by February, it's unrecognizable from where you were. Uh, at the beginning of the season, and so I love I love that that growth. Um, and sports for me, in my through my whole life, has been um, kind of a safe place. Mm-hmm. And so I liked creating a safe place for young people in basketball. Um, and so for me, basketball was just an avenue to get to know. Um, I was coaching girls basketball, get to know the girls, uh, develop healthy relationships with them, and encourage them to be. Um, well, 
what we talked about with great teammates and also um, do the best they could at whatever they were doing hmm. um, outside of basketball as well. So, and try to really support them outside of that. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any hot sports opinions on basketball? Are you a zone guy, man to man? Do you like to press? I, I hate zone. Uh, I think it's lazy uh, unless you really teach it. And unless you know the principles of man, you don't know what you're doing. People just stand there. And I, um, I think that the long-term benefits of playing man-to-man is always worth it, especially at the high school level. If you can play a really good man-to-man, you'll be hyper-competitive with anybody you play. That's what I always say. That's what yeah. I always say. That's yeah. when I'm talking about the concepts of team defense. Team deep, yeah. Team defensive schemes. Yeah. It's just fun stuff. People really love that. This is the content they're going to love. Why, this is what Highland's going to dig is, right yeah. here. Just team defensive concept, five on three, yeah. hard closeouts. Yeah. I love a good half-court trap. Yeah? That's what I love, love a trap. I love a good trap defense. Easy points on the other end. That's right. This anyway, is great content. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, bad at the podcast. No, no, this is we're learning. We're learning. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you're talking about yeah uh, the way you talk about the ethics of coaching is a lot of a lot of carryover to you know student ministry and some yep. of the some of the feelings and the culture that Highland has about student ministry. And so yeah, I mean, do you see the parallels there, or is it similar to what you're wanting to build here with Ashley? Yeah, I hope so. Um, and I like that there's never – I'm glad there won't ever be like a scoreboard unless we're playing you – know, unless we start a church league basketball league or Let's something, do which would be fun. Yeah. But like there's not like a um, s- scoreboard that's saying like you lost today, right? deal with it. You know, it's like, hey, um, students are coming in with their whole selves and their whole story and, and the – entirety of, of uh, what's happening in their lives. And it's our job then to partner with them as they navigate um, a lot of times chaos for the first time. Yeah. And then what does it look like to to live in the kingdom of God inside of maybe that chaos or that, that difficulty? Yeah. So, um, and ultimately that's what coaching was for me as well, mm-hmm. um, was uh, <clears throat> the girls that I coached would, would come and confide in me and my assistant coach. And we would, we would try to you know, build levels of, of care around them to, to help them walk walk out what it looks like to, to be loved and cared for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really – I do see a lot of parallels. And it was one of the things that really drew me to doing this at this time. Like, I thought that ministry was way in my rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we started talking last October, um, when David called me, uh, I I was under the impression that I wasn't going to do ministry. I was going to just pursue education and and move up and do administration and I don't know, be a president of a small Christian school one day or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't, you know. I didn't really think about that that much, but but like, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't know. I I had kind of put this in the parking lot of my life of like, well, that mm-hmm. was fun, um, and uh, I really loved doing ministry when I did it. But I don't I don't know if it'll ever happen again. And yeah. and here we are. So yeah. So for the people who are listening, what kind of, I mean, what, what ministries, what experiences in ministry yeah. did you have? And, and so like? my first experience was I interned with my youth ministers who were two of the most influential people in my life in uh, the summer of 2011 at Harpeth Hills Church of Christ in Nashville. Uh, shout out HHYG, uh, Jason, Jennifer Pagel, um, they're listening. who, yeah, they're definitely going to listen, who are, uh, who are very influential on you as well. I yep. know. Yep. Um, 
And then the next summer, I interned for you at Woodmont Hills mm-hmm. um, with the youth group as well. And then um, spent six years as the college minister in a severely part-time role at, <laughs> at Woodmont Hills, which was fantastic. And I learned so much. Um, and I walked in there as a child, not knowing what I was doing, and um, and in some ways left with some tools and and, uh, and skills that I would have never learned if I'd been dropped into a full time ministry role. Mm. So it it really um, made me think strategically and and um, I don't know try to get as much intentional time with the students as possible on the very limited schedule that yeah. I had. So so yeah. Yeah. So that's my ministry rundown. Yeah. Uh, so I find the people who find themselves in ministry often have um, very positive uh, experiences with people who were formative in their lives during the uh, those critical years. And so yeah. yeah, talk about Jason and Jennifer and the kind of culture they created and you know, it sounds like some of that you've even taken into coaching and now you know, 100%. student ministry. And so what do they do? What were maybe even like a story? Was there a moment when you realized, mm-hmm. okay, something different's happening here that I want to keep being a part of? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as a high schooler, I have a distinct memory of we, we had a whole kind of wing of the building for, for student ministry because it was so big. And we were breaking into classes and I was coming out of a classroom and um, I think Jason was just walking by and he stopped real quick and just said, Hey to us or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember why, but there's something about the moment of the exchange that I audibly said out loud, nobody heard me fortunately, but I was like, I want to do what he does one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time I was just thinking like, Oh, I think it'd be cool to be the guy that's the youth minister. I didn't understand what I was really saying was like, I, how Jason makes me feel as a person matters. Mm. How Jason makes everybody he comes in contact with as a person mm. matters. Um, the work that he and Jennifer do together to create a youth ministry that is um, not just thriving in numbers, but thriving in healthy relationships yeah. where there's genuine respect, there's care, there's there's concern. Um, we're not just having fun. Like we're not, you know, I don't know why I have this image in my head all the time of like, strapping Velcro to ourselves and sticking on a wall. Like, let's see how much fun we can have today. Um, like we're just, we're genuinely spending time together. Um, Jason was the first person I ever heard. I know y- y'all been doing stuff in deconstruction, but I remember him talking about, um, he had us over to his house as seniors, the senior guys. And I remember him talking to us about the experience of God tearing things down in his life and then rebuilding new things that were better. Mm-hmm. And now knowing like what I, know on like the academic side of, of life, like, okay, him talking us through deconstruction and reconstruction without calling it that, because yeah. that wasn't a buzzword at the time or anything. Um, and he wasn't a big buzzword person anyway, um, is, was so helpful, uh, to know that I was allowed to rethink things that he had created this space for us where thinking and rethinking, imagining and reimagining, were part of the God story, not an antithesis, not not an enemy of it. <clears throat> right. um, and and so I, I think um, I think it was stuff like that. And there was also the little things like, um, oh geez, I, I just, we were on like a, a YouTuber. I guess it was a retreat of some sort or, or a trip. I don't, I don't remember what gym we were in, but we were playing basketball. Um, 
to your question. Again, I was I if I was anywhere, I was in a gym and we were playing um, uh, actual five on five up and down the court. And Jason was playing with us, and I remember thinking to myself, Jason's bad at basketball. <laughs> why? Why is he here playing with us? Like, what's what's he even doing? Um, <clears throat> and it's the fact that and he's not actually that bad at basketball. I just was a jerk, but like. <laughs> But it was like the thing where it's like he just wanted to do whatever we were doing yeah. because it mattered. Yeah. Um, and it let us know that he cared about us enough to step out there and be a part of it. Uh, and so so I think just that intentional um, time and, and, and jumping into whatever it is that the students you happen to be with are into, okay, well, that's what we'll do. I, I don't care what it looks like or, or what it is. I just want to be a part of it um, because you seem to care about it. Yeah. And um, – so that was really formative for me. Um, and in college, I was at a, oh, geez, it was like a, some sort of some sort of retreat or something Lipscomb put on for continuing education for ministers. Um, and I went because I was in college and the college minister. So, like, I think I had to go for one of my classes. Um, and the speaker there was talking about how to walk with young people who have mm-hmm. walked through uh, trauma. Mm. And I texted Jason and Jennifer during that and just said to them, thank you because yeah. you were this for me. Wow. And they, they didn't know, uh, until then really that I, well, Jason, they, they didn't know actually, cause when I interned, we talked about it, but, but like they didn't know how formative and how helpful and, and, um, kind they were to me to create the space for being, um, Hurting like that, yeah. and then knowing like I'm still loved here, yeah. Um, without it being like they never were, we're going to come in and fix you. Like that's not our job. Our job is to love you, um, right? And then and to to partner with you as you walk in life, right? That's so cool. having received this kind of unconditional love, you know, that's, that's I think that's somehow connected to the deconstruction story is. Um, not only this, it pretty necessary for someone to make it, um, make the transition in your mind that questioning this stuff isn't faithlessness, it's faithfulness. Yeah. But it also kind of goes hand in hand with this um, experience of unconditional love that makes it okay to exist as a person in an incomplete, incomplete state so that you're. Uh, not always kind of wearing that shadow self yeah, around the right. person. Um, it makes it really okay to to go and, and question and to and to, to do some necessary deconstruction. So yeah. that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think I see so common the people that last in ministry are the people who have kind of experienced that mentoring. Mm. Um, it has to be modeled. It's something you can't just learn academically. It has to be yeah. modeled. And so I love hearing stories like that. And I mean, Jason and Jennifer are that story for so many people. And it's, yeah. just, it's great to keep hearing. And so what's different about the context in 2020, 2022 than it was in, uh, you know, early 2000s? Mm-hmm. What's different about Nashville, Tennessee versus Abilene, Texas? Uh, how, how do you want to recreate that? Um, because I think people who've experienced it know that, yeah, I mean, you've already said it in coaching. If you've experienced it, you 
you have this kind of passion and this energy to have someone else experience it too. Yeah. And so what does that look like now? And, and how do you want it to be the same and how is it different? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I think the, the cultural shift in the last 20 years is, is really dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I got in the youth group in 2002, yeah, breaking into the youth group, like, I don't know. Um, post nine eleven mm-hmm. was our biggest uh, obstacle and our biggest like uh, everybody was afraid of everything for the first time. Apparently, is, is was like the message I received and the yeah. way that I internalized it. Um, like we used to never have to be afraid of everything, and now we're afraid of everything. And um, to go to a place where it didn't feel like they were afraid of anything, mm. because in the kingdom of God, we don't. It's not how we function. Um, I think that translates to today. Mm. Um, and I'm not like, uh, let me, like, I'm not a, like, Jesus is my vaccine person. Like I'm, if anybody is, I'm not, but like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm vaccinated <laughs> and, uh, and like, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, like I really walked into it here. I, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that like, um, like if I have faith and everything will just be easy. Right. right? You, you're trying to explain the complexities of being right. In the world, but not of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that it was it wasn't that um, you know post nine eleven was not scary, right? But it was that when we are together, um, there's something stronger here that binds us right. than the fear that is being spouted in the public eye. Right. Um, similarly, <clears throat> I think about. Um, even the last couple of election cycles and mm-hmm. watching as we see whichever side of the aisle somebody might fall on this, this spouting of just fear and anger and vitriol as the, as the rallying cry to the world. And I think all the time, like, well, what does it look like for the church to be the church in this world? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the things that Earl Lavender always talked about, um, he, uh, Professor Lipscomb, was like the church actually probably needs to create its own culture and not try to right. change the culture at large. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be its own world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really helpful for me to think about like, okay, I can't, I can't control what other ministries do, other churches do, other, you know, whatever. Um, all I can do is in the sphere that I happen to be in, create a culture where kids feel safe, they feel loved, yeah. they feel known, yeah. um, and they know that they belong. Yeah. Not because of anything that I've done for them, but because of what binds us here. Um, so. so talk about how you like, go about creating that culture in a church. And I mean, how does, you know, it, you can't be just one person, right? Yeah. So. How how do you and Ashley imagine creating uh, a different kind of culture? I don't know yet. I don't. I really don't yet. Um, I th- I think it'll. St- I personally, I think it'll start by modeling with vulnerability, yeah. healthy vulnerability, um, and almost took a rabbit trail, but I didn't. I stopped myself. It's fine. Um, 
and and uh, having our students know that like um, it's it's not our perfection or or performance that allows us to be loved or lovable yeah um, but it's the very nature of God that dwells within us yeah um, or, or calls the immortal diamond right like yeah. like there's this true goodness inside each human being you talked about uh, fear mm-hmm. and uh, and what we've talked about before is the problem with fear is that is it, it is an excellent motivator oh yeah it is uh, a very effective way to to kind of control and mold people for a while um, and those of us who have grown up in the church you know to let my parents and then to a slightly lesser extent me and then to a slightly lesser extent you guys but like you read some of the tracks that they were the youth groups were handing out in the 60s and fear was a big player yeah fear absolutely. was maybe the main player yeah um how do you see youth group or whatever we call it student ministry <laughs> it's not a youth group that's what mine was how do you see student ministry evolving away from fear and more towards love and how do you hope that that continues I'm assuming yeah um, I think youth work in general even in education where it was before um, often I think children are used as pawns in the in the game that people are playing at large and that's really unhelpful um, and allowing children to be you know 13 14 15 year olds and actually live life as that age uh, and not expect them to already be adults and also not expect them to have it all figured out. Um, but to come with their questions, to come with their, their, because they will have fears, right? To just strike fear from the record, I think um, would be a problem. Uh, but with what you're talking about, like the, to, to run, to intentionally create a culture that's not based on fear. Yeah. Um, parse that a little bit, I guess, uh, it is used to like control. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Give direction. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think of it like that, that it would be kind of cancerous in the group. Um, and ultimately dissolve. Yeah. Um, and, um, create really unhealthy people. <laughs> and like so, me, <laughs> it's so weird. Just kidding. No, that, um, that was another terrible question. No, it wasn't. I haven't eaten anything today. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't a terrible question because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think through what does it look like to evolve out of that, and, um, again, it's like a, I'm not exactly sure, other than to work really hard to try to build on trust. Um, yeah. And I think what you talked about, a healthy vulnerability is maybe one of the keys. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, you're right. Kid, the kids are going to be afraid of things. There's lots of things to be afraid of. Yeah. And, um, and to model not being afraid to bear those things together mm-hmm. creates a really healthy group. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I really like the idea of culture making. Um, and I think the, the church is that place that creates kingdom culture where it is. I really think that's the point of the church. And so when you think about young people 
when you think about young people and, and creating culture in a, in a large church yeah. where we want young people to be full participants, what are some ways that large church can, can do that, can mm. invite young people to be culture makers with us? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I know Highland knows a lot more about this than I do, the Growing Young Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that are already in, in the works of keychain leadership, yeah. uh, warm environment and those things. Um, I, personally, I, I, I find it really helpful to build layers of support for students with adults holding and creating spaces for them to belong and to become um, who God has made them to be. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean the adults in the room know all the answers or have all the answers or are um, perfect themselves. It just means that the adults in the room are willing and wanting to um, trust what the Holy Spirit is doing in the young people. Yeah. And so um, for Highland, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to right now learn. I'm trying to be a sponge and take in as much as I can sure. to learn the culture of Highland a little bit. Um, and so... So yeah, so I know like I know our huddles are effective. I know we do really good stuff with our with our students um, in our student ministry. I know we need as many adults as we can possibly get mm-hmm. to join the work yeah. and to um, uh, walk alongside our young people as they navigate the kingdom of God. Yeah, and I do think you know really that culture as a metaphor is kind of like uh, tending a garden, mm-hmm. and the the. <laughs> If, if their children are the, the plants, yeah. <laughs> the, the more of them there are and the more intricate their care is, the, the more gardeners you need. It really can't yeah. be a one-person or two-person show, Yeah. though it is so important to see that kind of that top-level leadership is also being involved in the students' lives. And so, yeah, attending and, and culture-making, and it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. You've got a family? I do. Tell us about them. So um, my wife, Amy, and my son, Henry, and I, um, and Henry is four. We, let's see, we were really um, challenged in our process of becoming parents. It was a long journey. We spent two and a half years uh, navigating fertility treatments and uh, mass chaos mm. and um, we felt like endless medical bills uh, and uh, um, and so having Henry feels like a uh, kind of this daily reminder mm. of, of uh, the, the possibility of, of life mm. um, and uh, the goodness of God, I guess. And so we, um, yeah, we are really uh, thankful to be parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, yeah, Father's Day just happened. Like, Father's Day is, like, such a weird day because mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag for me. Like, I'm yeah. st- ultimately just gratitude, but... 
Um, I'm also always hyper aware of the people that maybe aren't dads that are yeah. in, the, in that process of like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, um, did I screw up? Is God not, you know, because mm-hmm. we always go back to that like weird, um, is God cursing me or something? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it really is a question that comes up. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, we were and are um, deeply formed by that. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, being parents is, is something we don't take lightly and we really, really are thankful for. Very That's cool. Good. Tell us how, uh, how you met Amy, if it's an appropriate story. <laughs> it is. Amy and I met at Lipscomb University. She was a cheerleader and I was a college dropout when we met. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly what was happening. She was um, thriving, and I was waiting tables at Cracker Barrel. And uh, we we met, and I don't know why she agreed to go on a date with me, but I I guess I pestered her. Looking back on it, it probably wasn't great. But but I uh, we met and uh, started dating, and then within, I don't know, a few months, we were like, oh, this is gonna get pretty serious here. Um, one of those type things where you're like, oh. I better get back in school. I better, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. It's like, first of all, I don't wanna keep waiting tables for Cracker Barrel. Second, I really like her, uh, I should figure that out. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so that's how I got back into school and ultimately studied Bible and theology, so. Having a serious relationship's a good motivator to get your life together. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it's like, uh, yeah, whenever you realize, like, oh, my life is going to affect other people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't just do whatever I want all the time. You can. Somebody else is reliant on yeah, me. Yeah, it's real hard to form bonds if you only care yeah. about you. Yeah. So you, you got back in school. Uh, Amy, mm-hmm. Amy's presence encouraged you to be a better person. Yeah. What made you decide on Bible and theology? I had gone through, a, I guess, a personal resurgence of faith. Um, I don't think I ever like lost faith, but I stopped caring for my entire freshman year of college. Um, and a lot of it was connected to um, childhood pain and um, yeah, just not knowing how to deal with that. And um, and so, so yeah, so her presence and also the fall of um, what should have been my sophomore year of college I had, fortunately, before I met Amy, I had gone through a, um, I don't know, I don't even know how to define it anymore, but a this a, a true, jeez, um, oh, life-altering moment, hmm. um, or moments, I guess, um, and um, yeah, so so that that timing was really important in, in, in even being in a place where somebody like somebody as great as Amy would even consider, uh, dating me much less, you know, marrying me one day. But, um, but yeah, so that, that resurgence of faith was, was important. Um, and interestingly happened and then was like, while I was an active college dropout, my faith was changing and becoming real. Um, so, so yeah, so it was really, so when you went back, you wanted to keep, yeah. I mean, I, I think that is a pretty yeah. common, um, yeah. story for people who end up being 
ministry of Bible majors is mm-hmm. uh, I need to keep examining this. I've got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. And, um, I actually went back and at first I was a math ed major because I was like, well, I can do ministry. Mm-hmm. I'll just do like vocational ministry. Um, and I was sitting in a trigonometry class and I was like, this is not it. I have <laughs> no interest in being here another day. Mm. And so I went into my advisor's office and I was like, look, I'm going to change the Bible and theology. And he goes, well, you could, but you could still do this and do that. And I was like, no, I really don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want any part of this business <laughs> when we're talking trade. Trig is like supposed to be the easiest of these. We got more coming. Like I don't want. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to walk into a calc class ever. Um, so yeah. So I, I changed to Bible and theology, and um, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it was one of those like, like you're saying, like you, you think you're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Like I'm going to figure this thing out, and then I'll have my faith will become certain, which gets back to the deconstruction thing. Um, and it was so helpful to find there like people like John Mark Hicks and Earl Lavender mm-hmm. and, and those type of people who are um, willing to and wanting to invite you into honest conversation about what it looks like to walk out faith, not necessarily certainty. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was really helpful and, and, and um, important. Reed, thanks so much for joining us. For this interview, we're really glad that you and Amy and Henry are here at Highland. I know Ashley's really glad to have a co-minister. She's been doing a lot of work on her own for a long time. And um, as a dad, I think I can speak for Matt and I, that we're glad that uh, you and Ashley are are in charge of uh, the ministry that our children are in or are going towards at one day. It's uh, something we say all the time. It's really great to work at a church that you would choose to go to. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm really grateful that you're here it helps uh, you know, those of us on staff to keep feeling excited about um, the community that God's forming here. So thanks for saying yes to Highland, and uh, thanks for this time. I hope, I hope Highland gets to know you a little bit better. Thank you. This was fun.